This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to the awful and awesome entertainment rap. Hello, hello. Welcome to the awful and awesome entertainment rap episode 53. This is Abhinandan Sekri and I'm here by myself. Uh, so today I have a very special episode for you. Uh, it also will be the last episode before we take a bit of a break till we find some new talent i will give you a little more detail on that at the end of this episode but before i get you a phenomenal writer i'd say one of the most successful indian screenwriters because she has been able to write one of the most successful indian films uh, and we're going to have an in-depth chat with her i think one of the only ones that she's done with any indian outfit I'm just um, want to thank all of you for the amazing response News Laundry subscribers gave to the Media Rumble. Thank you for turning up in such large numbers. It was way more successful than we'd imagined. Uh, the next one is going to be even bigger. The expectations are really high. So thank you for coming. Also, it kept us busy over the weekend. So I didn't watch jack shit other than Media Rumble. So many of you have seen uh, Monsoon Wedding. Uh, you've seen Ishkia. You've seen Kamine. Now all these films have one thing in common they have either been written or co-written by a writer called Sabrina Dhawan who also teaches screenwriting at the New York University she is in India visiting and she was actually at the Media Rumble so here i am talking to her about cinema what she finds entertaining what she finds awful and awesome and um, some great films that she's watched nationally and internationally so here is Sabrina Dhawan So I have here with me the writer of Monsoon Wedding. Monsoon Wedding shot her to stardom at a very young age when she had just graduated from Columbia Film School. Or oh, you were just graduating, right? I hadn't quite graduated. I was close. You were cl- you were close. And uh, she got me the job as a camera assistant on Monsoon Wedding. And after that you went on to be a consultant on Kamine and you also co-wrote Ishkia. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I will correct you. I co-wrote Kamine and Ishkia. I was a consultant on uh, Haider. Okay, you're a consultant on Haider, and you also had something to do with Rangoon. I co-wrote Rangoon as well. So you've co-written Kamine, Ishkia, Haider, and uh, Rangoon, and you wrote Monsoon Wedding, and you're a professor of creative writing at New York University. Professor of screenwriting at New York University. Okay, so Sabrina Dhawan is here. We're thrilled to have her on the awful and awesome. So, Sabrina, uh, this podcast we talk about what is going great in the world of entertainment and what isn't. So, have you watched any of the recent releases? Uh, not you haven't watched uh, Burkha uh, lipstick on Burkha yet. I haven't seen that. I'm actually seeing that tomorrow night. Um, of recent films, I actually can't remember the last one. I saw, but if you remind me of some films, maybe I'll remember. Okay, but I, I have a, I have a little child, so my memory is usually short. And since you're in New York, I guess uh, the, the Hindi films are not as easily available. Like the week they come, it's not everywhere; it's all over the place, right? Right. So they're only released in certain theaters, none of which are that convenient to me. So if I can, I make the time to go and see them. Otherwise, I wait for them to come out on DVD. Okay, now let me talk about. You've written five films, or co-written five, six, actually. Um, you know, after you've written a film, when you're writing it, of course, no one knows the formula of what works or what doesn't work. What, in your view, 
worked in the films that worked like Kamina did really well Ishkia did really well Monsoon Running of course was not only did it do well commercially it mm. got spectacular success at award functions the world over Rangoon didn't do that well commercially mm. if you were to put a finger on it why does one work and the other doesn't you know I, it's it's hard to say the thing with film is that unlike say um, writing a book it's an intensely collaborative medium so the writing is one part of it even the directing is one part of it there any one element can sink a film for example china down which is right now considered like one of the great seminal films the roman polanski one the roman polanski one mm. so when they had their first viewing of china down the screening tanked everybody hated the film it is exactly the same film the same edit as you see now mm. what did they change the background score background score is so vital can tank a film so a film is only as good as its weakest element in a certain way so it takes a lot of different things to make it work it can also take a lot of different things to make it not work i think eventually it is a good story that is well told because you can have a great idea but if it isn't well told mm. you know then that doesn't work but that said no script even a great script is not director proof it's not casting proof you know mm-hmm. a great actor can elevate a mediocre script and you know a terrible yeah. actor can sink a really good script mm. so it's many elements all of which it's usually in some ways it's kind of a miracle when a movie does well because it met everything came together it's such so many a, things yeah, can make it go wrong exactly so it's it's kind of like a minor miracle when it actually ends up working because most of the time it doesn't yeah because there's some statistic that i've read that out of all the scripts that are written and pitched registered with the you know screenwriters only 10% make it to production out of that just half of them actually are finished and only a fraction of those release yeah i'm sure the percentage is even less than that uh it's you know probably one film for every two or three hundred scripts is actually produced you know and off those you know like maybe 5 or 10% are successful so the chances of making a successful film are incredibly remote it is very hard what do you teach your students uh, when you teach them screenwriting i i know it's it's a one year or a two year course so i can't you can't answer in 5 to 8 minutes but by and large what can you learn in a class about screenwriting right that's a really good question because you know often people wonder is this something that you even have to learn isn't this some ability that you're born with um to some extent that is true nobody can give you stories you have to come you, if you don't have stories to tell if you're not interested in human nature if you're not interested in observing the world if you're not interested in you know what goes on and if you have no stories no one can teach you that however screenwriting particularly is actually a craft not different to carpentry or you know plumbing or something it is a craft because you're working in a very specific medium you only have image and you have sound so that is something that does need to be taught so when you come to a film school what i'm teaching them is how do you actually craft your idea a lot of it is also teaching them how to uh externalize or dramatize something because unlike again unlike a book a script is a story told in pictures so when you say someone is nervous that can work in a book it doesn't work in a script because you don't know what that looks like so you have to constantly learn how do you externalize how do you dramatize what's going on the other thing that i do teach them i have a very I've been very conscious about my teaching philosophy is that and I learned this from Monsoon Wedding when I pitched the idea of Monsoon Wedding before the film came out to a bunch of studio executives in LA and New York everybody thought it was a great idea but you know it really wouldn't do well because it's not commercially viable it had no american characters it had no american settings and it was 
you know, largely subtitled and conventional wisdom. Yeah, there's a lot of Hindi and Punjabi in it. Right. And a lot of the jokes are also Punjabi. Exactly, and conventional wisdom meant that subtitle <laughs> films don't do well at the American North box office. But we made that film, super low budget, and it ended up finding audiences everywhere, all over the world, people found a way to relate to it. And so this taught me a really important lesson that it's really important to write the story you want to write and write it as truthfully and authentically as possible without worrying about whether or not it'll do well. And this is not just sort of artistic philosophy, but I think it's also sound, it makes sound commercial sense because that's what you'll write well. And when you write it well, the more specific it is, in a way, the more universal it becomes. So I teach my students largely to write without fear or favor. Write what you want to write, doesn't matter what it's about, but write it as well as you can. And if you write it as well as can, you'll find a way. Okay, I'm going to ask you about a few films. I know since you write films for Bollywood, for Vishal, you collaborate a lot with Vishal Bhardwaj. Um, I, I don't know how truthful you can be to all the films that I'm asking, but um, first let's start with Hollywood. I loved La La Land, but I saw so many articles trashing it. Hmm. I think New York intellectuals like you look down upon it as LA, but uh, I want to know what you think of that. I want to know what you thought of Moonlight mm-hmm. and of all the Oscar nominees, which ones really worked for you and which ones didn't and why? And then we'll come to India after that. Okay, so just to be clear, I'm a professor of screenwriting. I have taught screenwriting for about 20 years, but I rarely watch films. So I have, screeners, I have screeners for La La Land and for Moonlight. I haven't seen either of those, although I feel like I would probably like Moonlight and not like La La Land just from what I've heard, although, you know, mm-hmm. I had friends who liked La La Land too. But there are some movies I've seen. I can't remember what they are, but you should remind me. What else okay. came out last year? Well, last year oh, you had... Out? Get Out, okay. Did you see Get Out? No, I didn't, but I heard about it. What do you think of that? I love Get Out. I thought it was brilliant. And one of the things that I thought was really heartening about both uh, Get Out and Moonlight, both of which did incredibly well at the box office for low-budget films, is that they have they were stories about African-Americans. You know, and if you remember the year before that, there was this whole thing about Oscars So White. Yes. That, you know, uh, black actors or, you know, actors and directors in movies of color were not getting the same recognition at the Academy as, you know, as other films and that these two films were so successful and did so well, uh, you know, during the awards season and at, uh, uh, at different film uh, festivals was an incredibly positive thing because it meant that it wasn't the case that people don't want to watch movies about people of color, which is what Hollywood said. But it's just that if you make that movie well, people will watch it, which I was talking about earlier. Yeah. But um, do you miss not having the time anymore to watch as many films as you used to? You know, uh, I should say yes to that. But the truth is I don't because in America, television has become so much better. Oh, so you watch a lot of that? I do watch a lot of Netflix, yes. So tell me the kind of stuff you you think is great on Netflix. Do you watch Game of Thrones? Because I, I haven't watched No, anything. I haven't watched Game of Thrones. For some reason, just from all the hype on social media and how crazy people get about it, I just feel like I'm not going to like it. Again, for no real reason, except I just feel like I won't. Um, but uh, I, yeah, but you know, all the good writers at some point move from the film business because it is so frustrating to be a screenwriter in film. Why? You have, you have no authorship. So screenwriters are the only kind of writers who surrender their copyright. Uh, book writers don't, playwrights don't. So when you surrender your copyright, basically it means you have no control over the material. So the production can... They can do what they want with it. ...your right. work, they can hire someone else, they can do what they want, and that is what they do. Historically, even the most successful screenwriters are very, very, very frustrated working in the movie business and always have been. They always end up bitter, even if they end up rich. Mm. Um, but in television kind of changed that. 
because in television the writer is also the producer and the showrunner the showrunner is the you know is the producer and is the head of the writing team so you had a lot more control because the director could change week to week but you needed the same writing team every week uh, right. to keep the same characters and stories going so the writers had a lot more leverage and so, so right what's the good stuff that you've seen on Netflix okay, then okay what have I seen on Netflix that's good um, well okay this is not recent but I I've, I love uh, I love 30 Rock mm-hmm. Breaking Bad and I just started watching Stranger Things is it that's horror or what is Stranger Things it's kind of yeah it's like horror thriller science fiction which is not usually my thing but uh, it had so many great reviews so I started watching that uh, The Americans first few seasons of Homeland um, oh a lot of mini series there have been a lot of mini seasons also uh, uh, serialized documentaries on Netflix that mm-hmm. also like making a murderer yeah exactly like making of a murderer uh, The there was another one on O.J. Simpson right right so I've watched a bunch of those which I love deeply mm-hmm. um, and also because you've been a journalist so I guess that, that right. helps that helps too but they're actually made in a way that is as engaging as watching a film it's funny even the mini series which was a fictionalized version on the people versus O.J. You know how it's going to end. It's such a famous story. And yet it was completely riveting to watch and you want to know how things were going to unfold. And that's kind of like one of those magical things that, you know, fictionalized things can do that even when you know it's going to end, it can still make you feel tense and engage in a really meaningful way. The thing about these shows, what's also amazing about television isn't just that all the good writers move to TV, but that the distribution avenues change. You didn't have to rely on the studios anymore like you always had to historically. Because now there's Netflix and there's uh, Amazon and Hulu and they all create Handmaid's Tale on Hulu they all create their own shows so it's become also much easier to get better work because you don't have to go through the entire bureaucracy of the studio business so screenwriters who are breaking in now have a bigger canvas to paint on so to and speak and many canvases there are many ways you can go a lot of playwrights have moved to television surprisingly playwriting actually has more in common with TV writing than screenwriting does with TV writing really tell us that experience now uh, A uh, we discussed this about four weeks ago on our podcast that uh, Monsoon Wedding the musical is going to hit Broadway soon um, fingers crossed and it had its opening at Berkeley the, mm-hmm. uh, just tell us what are those uh, not screening what, what's the equivalent of a screening in theatre a, a showing a production a showing so it had its initial showing at Berkeley and um, from there you know if it does well then moves to mm-hmm. Broadway what was your experience of uh, rewriting mm-hmm. your script from film to uh, to theatre what are the challenges what are the you know and how has it turned out what's that what's that been like so it's been a completely fascinating process it's also been a very long process it came to monsoon wedding the musical came to berkeley after being in development for about 10 years which is a really long time but apparently not very long in musical theater really yeah hamilton took about 10 years to come to broadway as well that's you've been writing rewriting writing rewriting right right. and the thing is you don't like write and rewrite consistently through the 10 years the thing with theater unlike film is that you don't actually get paid to work on the material you only get paid in the back end if it is staged and if it is successful so you kind of work on it for the love of it and in the hopes that it'll do well in film you get paid up front and then you never see any profit Mm. so it's kind of the other way around Mm. so it takes a long time because people have to do other work so they can pay their like you teach and you're a professor or other movies and things Mm. and sometimes Mira was off for a year making a movie or Vishal was off for a year so that's also partly why it takes that long so Mira's directing it Vishal is doing the music for Monster Vishal is doing the music he's composed an incredible score Mira's directing it and 
I am writing it, and we have uh, an American uh, lyricist. Has Mira directed theater before? She has not. This is her first time. And you've not written stage and before. Neither has Vishal composed for the stage. So before. everyone's doing theater for the so first we're time. All novices, which makes the producers very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> we're all brown novices on American theater stage. Yeah. Uh, it was a really interesting process. I initially thought that because Monsoon Wedding, the movie, had so much music in it that it would really be a matter of just reformatting it because the formatting looks different from a play too. And a play in a musical theater is for some reason called the book. So, you know, I thought it would be easy to write the book. You just take the script and you just reformat and be done. But it doesn't work like that at all. Just the changing of the stage, you know, from going from screen to stage. The fact that you don't have a camera changes everything. You can't do cut to close up. You can't do cut to close up. You also can't cut to location. Right. Like, uh, like for example, there's one pass you end up doing towards closer to production, which is just for the costume designer. And he would say like, uh, I can't get so-and-so changed from this time to, to, to this transition. So this character needs to leave that scene much earlier, which means you can't just have them leave. You have to find a reason for them to leave. So you have to rewrite the scene. So there is a legitimate reason for that character to have to leave early. So they have time to change. And that's just one minor example. Hmm. Also with, uh, you know, of course, with sets and production, like how many transitions and how do you transition? And you can't just keep coming back to location. So there's that. You also have to work with musical theater, especially all the big moments, all the most emotional moments um, become song. Mm-hmm. So what also happens is you write these scenes and all those scenes get what they call cannibalized into the music. So they become lyrics, which every book writer hates because it's like, that was my best scene. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was my best line. Um, so um, that happens. Um, but you really have to reimagine the material and not just because the proscenium has changed, which is, of course, a big part of it, um, <clears throat> because you're also thinking of where people will be. You can't exactly, you can't focus on one character. You can't say camera reveals. Mm. You have to find a way to do it. It's also much more dialogue driven for that reason because you know the camera can't help focus the eye on where it needs to go you can have spotlights but those are hokey and you can't overuse them but the other thing that changed a lot is that monsoon wedding was very much supposed to be in a certain way a document of the delhi it was set in of that time and that was 2001 it was a long time ago and delhi has changed so much so it was also updating so you have to incorporate many of the new delhi right so i had to which actually meant reinventing the story so for example the uh the story between the 10 contractor dubey and the maid alice the breakup in the movie was because uh, she thought he was spying on her and that she was a thief. You know, first of all, that was such a visual thing. It doesn't work on stage, Mm. you know. But also because India had changed and I wanted that to be a part of it and that to inform the rewriting of it is that um, one of the things that was playing in my mind a lot when I was working on it recently was... Uh, especially in Modi's India, how polarized we've become, uh, especially, you know, in terms of religion. And so now the breakup is because Dubey asks her to convert. And oh. refuses to do that. But that felt more timely. You know, so things like that. In Heyman's character was a kid who grew up in India, went to America, uh, you know, to work at a company and then came back and raised. Modi Bhakts won't be pleased to hear this these changes. No, no, Modi Bhakts won't be. But they, they sh- but rest assured, the producers made me take out a lot of the references <laughs> to Modi just because they were afraid of those Bhakts. So well done. Um, <laughs> Okay, um, and how has it turned out? You've you've it's watched how many screenings? It's surprisingly done really well. Uh, it had its first out of town tryout, which is what they do. So 
um, they can um, see how it you know how it is on its feet in front of an audience mm. and that uh, was in Berkeley and it was supposed to run for six weeks and then uh, before during previews before it even opened everything was sold out so they extended it by a week then after they extended it by a week the first week that it opened the, that week sold out so they extended it again so they ended up extending it three times it's the greatest success that Berkeley has ever had it's broken wow. every Berkeley box office record congratulations thank you I'm so proud it's all because you had a fantastic camera assistant on the film you know that is key that is key <laughs> uh, in fact you were talking about that <laughs> yes yes and the media I'm nominated for a Tony I'll be sure to mention that thank you you must say I must thank the camera assistant who was wrangling cable when you made the film okay so congratulations uh, are we going to see this on Broadway soon now? We hope so. It's a different beast getting into Broadway. It's, again, it's even more competitive getting a feature film out. But that's the hope. And not just Broadway. I mean, we're determined and Mira is determined to bring it to India in the next year as well. Oh, that'll be great. I look forward to that. Now, let's come to Hindi films. I watched Bahubali Part 1 with you a year or two years ago when you were in Bombay. And um, we had a lot of fun, but I trashed it when we were reviewing it on our podcast. Mm-hmm. Part two, Kevin didn't bother seeing it because I just thought the acting was so over the top. Mm-hmm. It was very spectacular. Like mm-hmm. I said, managing a project of that scale, the amount of extras, the mm-hmm. CGI. So obviously, Rajamoli, I mean, if you give him you know, 500 crores, he's going to spend it well. Mm-hmm. So he's a good project manager. But the acting is so over the top. Oh, my bichara. Oh. Mm-hmm. So... And Bahubali 2 also did really well. It was spectacular. What? Tell me, what was the kind of reception got uh, in New York? And what do you think of of Bahubali 1 and those kind of films? <laughs> um, I think it did pretty well in New York as well, just because it was on such an epic scale and it was so grand. So, like you said, you know, props to him for making something that was so so vast in its canvas and in every single way. Um, I think it's, I, you know what I think it is? Like, eventually, uh, people can be, um, you know, like, there is, you could be impressed by, like, a large canvas, and you can be impressed by production design. The production design is also sort of spectacular, and again, over the top and all of that. For me, it didn't work because I thought it kind of failed on the level of story. And not all the time. Like, in the beginning, I was actually into it. And then it sort of unraveled and kind of fell apart because it got so consumed by the spectacle of it that it seemed to lose the story behind. I don't even mind acting that's over top. I kind of like melodrama. I'm into that. But it kind of has to work on the level of story as well. So, um, I also found it, for me, it was really manipulative, you know, in the way that it ended. It was clearly learning towards a sequel, and it had sort of the cliffhanger ending, but didn't make the first part satisfying, but kind of left you jonesing to see what the second one would be. Uh, I think it's also a regional aesthetic, like the few except for Mani Ratnam films that I've seen uh, yeah there's an over the topness to the acting in the south kind of like yeah that's kind of like what the aesthetic is even um, uh, Rajnikanth's films they're like over the top right and you know what even Indian uh, even Bombay films used to be like that Ashok Kumar was the first one who brought the idea of naturalized acting to Hindi cinema it didn't exist before that it used to be over the top and when he did it he was like oh my god you can do that you can like actually pretend to be like you are in real life Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, the, some of the other... Which are your favorite Bollywood films and why? <laughs> That's a... I know you love Dilwale. 
no, I haven't seen Dilwale. I probably wouldn't. Uh, uh, that's a really good question. And I struggle with that answer uh, when I think about it. I'm going to say, and again, I'm probably going to think of uh, films that I like better after we've done with the interview, but then that's life. Um, I absolutely love Luck by Chance, Zoe Akhtar's film. I thought it was brave and it was incredibly compassionate. You know, it was this great look and very satirical and very, very dark. I mean, the whole story is about a protagonist who basically sells his soul for success. Mm. And the fact that it was made by someone who is an insider in that world, to look at it from the perspective of an outsider was incredible. Also, every character had some kind of humanity. Even Hrithik Roshan, who is this narcissistic movie star, you know, has like these moments where you feel his heart and you feel his soul and he feels like a real human being. So I just absolutely love Luck by Chance. Um, what else? I mean, uh, when I was in college with your sister, uh, Nirupama, uh, I used to watch, we used to watch Sai Vibi or Gulam on VHS over and over again, which we both love deeply. And I love it. It's like a book. It's so textured. Every time I've seen it, I found another level to it that I hadn't seen earlier, whether it's, oh my God, yes, this is also about the Brahmo Samaj movement. This is also, you know, about child marriage and what that meant. And it's not just about Hinduism. And, you know, it's also about the lust of a wife. It just works on so many levels. It's so brilliant. Um, what else? Some of the newer ones. Like, let's you know, see. Newer ones? Okay, well, just one old one. I, I, I love, love, love Divar. I think it is in incredibly well written. Yeah, it's my favorite film. Yeah. I like it way more than I like Shole. It's way better written than Shole. I know I surely has canonized so much. It's very derivative of uh, American and Japanese westerns, yeah. And in the recent times, is there any film that you saw and said, okay, now that that was a great one? Like, did you watch Kapoor and Sons? I did watch Kapoor and Sons. I actually like Kapoor and Sons tremendously. Uh, I also thought it was really brave. It was made yeah. in this commercial way, but it dealt with homosexuality. It also dealt with a dysfunctional marriage, which was really interesting because commercial movies don't do that, you know. Husband, wife are all sweetie, sweetie and lovey, lovey to each other. And the wife is this total, the mother character is almost always sainted. And the fact that she liked one kid more than the other, mm. that was dark territory. And the fact that the grandfather, played by Richie Kapoor, played it so well, still had lust, you know, mm. still had sex drive. Those things were really incredible. Yeah. And also the Alia character was, you know progressive and it was just really modern in that way that I loved um, I, Shakun told me that he was thinking a lot about Monsoon Wedding when he wrote it was very influenced by that so I was like yay oh that's the writer that's the writer and director okay friend of yours yeah <clears throat> and there's another friend uh, of yours who I met at your apartment in New York uh, a while ago and that time he hadn't made a film and Nadeesh Patra uh, um, he made some lunchbox lunchbox yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I remember he, he said, I'm making a film and he said, I don't know when he'd given a title. Mm -hmm. And later I realized uh, he's the guy who made Lunchbox, yeah. which I thought was a phenomenal film. Absolutely. I also loved Lunchbox. Ritesh is incredibly talented. After Lunchbox, he's been doing so much good work. He just finished uh, a movie uh, called um, A Home at the End of the World. I'm going to get the title wrong, but it's based on a Julian Barnes novel. And he is uh, in post-production of a film with uh, Meryl Streep and Robert Redford. Doing it. He's going to be, everyone's going to know him. He's in, in post-production for a film with, really? Wow. Yeah. I should have been nicer to him at the You should have been nicer to him. Damn. Lesson in life, be nice to people. Okay. Will he give me a job as camera assistant now? Uh, I'll, I, I, I'll ask him. Put in a word, I'll like put, you always I'll do. put in a good word. In fact, maybe we'll even make you like, you know, like first assistant or something. All right. We get a promotion. Thank you so much, Sabrina. Always a pleasure talking to you. And uh, enjoy the rest of your uh, visit to India. And please watch a few more movies. I will. Thank you. Now, 
for the rest of you uh, we are looking at some more talent to basically host this podcast offer an awesome entertainment rap for us rajshree sen who did such a great job for a year has many other things on her plate so she won't be able to continue any further and i quite honestly have so much on my plate that i'm my head is started spinning uh, you know between this the hafta putting together the events and all sorts of other administrative duties that i have so even i would like to now really seriously find someone to do this show for us we have kind of zeroed in on two people however if you think you have what it takes to keep people interested in what you're saying just like i can <laughs> even though i'm talking shit but uh, so do write in and you have something to say about cinema and popular culture don't just you shouldn't be a genius in your head you see a lot of you people who say that i can do this you are genius in your head unless what is happening in your head can be communicated through your tongue i don't care how much of genius you are in your head because this is all about communication so please do write in and tell us if you think you can do this meanwhile we are on the verge of finalizing a couple of people and hopefully we'll have two new hosts for awful and awesome entertainment rap now last week's question was on which tv show which ran actually from 2004 2010 did the book a wrinkle in time appear twice the answer to that is lost and the following people got it right as usual palash patel Rahul Pradhan, Yogeshwar Sharma. I think they've got everything right. Hena Karthik, they are 100% hit rate. Then Prachit Kalamdani, Avinash Yadav, Hariharan Suresh, Aastha Kapoor, Sarit Sekhar Chatterjee. Thank you all for writing in and getting this right. Thank you all for tolerating me for so far on the awful and awesome entertainment rap. probably we'll take two weeks off till we can find the two new hosts for this show i will come in from time to time if i have anything of consequence to say and sometimes even if i don't i will continue to host the hafta regularly so you can catch me on that podcast and thank you for your support please subscribe so we can keep getting you bigger and better stuff because we really want to make news laundry do things that make you happy Until then, tata. All the news laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 